Hi, friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In episode 13, Sasha interviews financial guru, Dr. Bonnie Koo. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. It's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I am really excited because today I have a guest for our Women Reset series. And this series is for all of us out there who feel like we need a reset this year as we start the new year. And just to get everything reset, our health, our mindset, our finances, our home organization, whatever it is, your career goals. And so today I'm so honored because we have a fantastic guest, Dr. Bonnie Koo. She is a dermatologist and a former tech associate at Morgan Stanley. More importantly, this woman is in charge and has started a group, um, social media group called Women's Physicians personal finances. It's the largest online group of women physicians interested in taking control of their finances. She's also a blogger. She blogs at MissBonnieMD.com and she co-hosts her own podcast series, Friends Talk Finance with Dr. Carrie Reynolds of the Hippocratic Hustle. And she's just a really great resource. And I thought, okay, who do I want to have on the show as we're talking about resetting so many different parts of our lives? And I definitely instantly thought of Bonnie. So I am really excited to have her today and welcome her to the show. Enjoy. Good morning, Brave Enough community. I am so excited to have on a guest today. Dr. Bonnie Koo is here and she is a dermatologist who lives in Philadelphia. But the interesting thing about her, besides being a, you know, awesome physician um, and mother, is that she has a really interesting passion where she helps other women understand finances, financial planning, financial freedom, financial stewardship. And I think this was such an interesting topic. The more I read about her work to have her on the show, because as you know, this session is about resetting. So resetting, you know, kind of the permission to reset what you have in your life that you want to change, whether it's your health or whether it's your wealth or whether it's your mindset and attitude. And so I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What, you know, how did you get into this? But first, just like kind of tell us a little mini story about you. Let let us get to know you a little bit. Sure. Well, um, first, I am Korean American. I was born in Korea, actually. Moved here. I I was around two years old. Um, I, like many of us, I was pre-med in college. I was a biochem major at Barnard College in New York City. I didn't go to medical school right away. I didn't go to medical school until I was 27. And I worked at Morgan Stanley for four years. Now, many people think I have a finance background when I say Morgan Stanley, but I don't. I worked in tech, IT. So uh, I worked for a finance company, but I knew knew nothing back then, unfortunately. Uh, And then I went to medical school. So by the time I finished residency, I was 38. And so that kind of leads into how this all got started. I basically was a financial kind of almost a disaster until I learned (laughs) anything. I mean, I, I talk about my mistakes freely because I think it helps other women relate. Cause I know a lot of us have made mistakes and sometimes we're embarrassed to mention it. So, you know, one mistake I talk about is that I was, uh, I had $20,000 of credit card debt during residency. Wow. Now 
I bought lots of awesome clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of where that came from. Yeah, I bet your shoe your shoe collection was pretty amazing at that point. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get into dermatology the first time I applied, so I bought myself a pair of red bottom shoes as a <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but anyway, so that was, you know, one big mistake. And then, you know, honestly, serendipitously, my last year of residency, um, and this was in California, I was at UC Irvine. I just overheard two of my co-residents talking about money. Now, they had always talked about money throughout residency. There's, these were two guys. For some reason that day, I think I just was like, how do you guys know all this stuff? Like, you know, I can, it seemed like a different language. They were talking about their investments. And I just, for some reason, I was interested. And they told me, oh, you should buy this book. It's called The White Coat Investor Book. And so I did that. I went on Amazon Prime and bought it. And the next thing I knew, I read the book. It's a very quick read. I read it in an afternoon. And I literally was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't know this stuff before. And how come no one told me? But it just was like a very uh, easy to read sort of blueprint of how money works and, you know, money related to being a physician, because I think the common misconception is that you're going to be rich once you're attending. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that that is so true. I mean, how many times have I heard from people, my non-physician friends, especially those with any financial background, they'll say that, you know, physicians are notoriously terrible about investing or money management. And I think there's this, you know, we're in school for so long and then we're in training for so long and we just kind of see the end light of, you know, your first paycheck is, is like this golden statue that you're going to get. And there's this, just this big pot of money at the end of all your training and fellowships and everything. And we all know that actually waiting for us at the end of our training is this huge amount of debt. <laughs> so right. I, I think that there, you know, it's kind of like in your mind, you think, oh, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm finally going to finish. I'm going to, I'm going to make money. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to, you know, be able to care for my family and, and live well. But at this the reality is that most physicians are graduating significantly in debt, which really changes a lot of your practice decisions. And so, you know, there's, there's this, I know for my husband and I, you know, we stayed in our tiny little house for a year. Um, why we, paid off pretty much everything we could and, and lived like we were residents for that first year. Um, just because I, I knew that, you know, oh my gosh, we have so much debt we have to pay off. Well, it sounds like you did it right. I think that's the hard part is it's we've delayed our gratification for so long and to tell a physician, you got to wait a little longer. It's just, it's hard to swallow. And then I actually find that if they're married to a non-physician spouse, spouse who has been with them the whole time, they don't want to wait any longer. Either. Yeah, no, that's very, so. yeah, that is very, very true. And I just remember all this pressure, not even from my husband or myself, but I felt like there was this pressure in our in our, you know, social circles that, oh, you're finally out, you're finally making money, you know, are you going to live the physician lifestyle, whatever that right. was to these people. And I think that that's, you're right, you know, you've delayed, you know, while everyone else is going on spring break trips, you know, you're studying in the library. And while everyone else is going on, you know, two week honeymoons, you're like getting married on a weekend because you got to report back on Monday or whatever. Right. So mm -hmm. it is definitely delayed gratification. And I also think, I don't know, don't you think that a lot of physicians spend money to self-soothe? I mean, I know I do. Like, I know when I'm like, <laughs> when I'm really stressed, I'm like, okay, I just need to go on Amazon for like 30 minutes and buy some stuff. And I, I mean, my spending is, you know, like 
not as extravagant as possibly other people's, but I think I see this a lot in even my partners. Like they just spend money because they're tired. They're like exhausted. (laughs) And so I don't know. I, what do you think about that? Do you ever see, do you think that's true? Yeah. I know. I never thought of it as self-soothing, but I think we're another way I look at it is we're so busy, especially if both uh, partners are working and you have children, um, that it's, it's just easier to throw money at certain things, you know, Yes. to kind of not get rid of the problem. Right. It's, it is easier to spend money than to do something yourself sometimes. And I'm a huge fan of outsourcing and I know you are too. Right. Um, so, but I think, you know, every person is going to have different financial goals. And so there's, you know, no one way to approach things. But I, I think, you know, my sort of stick is I just try to educate, you know, women, particularly physicians, just kind of like learn the basics and you kind of have to take what works for your life. And if what something doesn't work that I say, then that's fine. Right. And I think it's also important for uh, people to know that every financial choice you make is uh, is a choice and it affects uh, other parts of your financial life. And so there's no, like I said, there's no wrong or right decision. You just have to be aware of what the decision will mean. I love that. I love that there's, it's different for every person. I mean, I know for me, I, once I actually started looking at all of the itemized things, you know, in my bank account that I was spending, like, oh, I'm spending a ridiculous amount of money on coffee. <laughs> Like at Starbucks, you know, and I'm like, I could actually purchase a nice coffee maker for my office and, you know, pay it off within three months of what I am spending at Starbucks. And, and so I think it's really important to actually look at the data because I think once you look at the data, you know, everyone always, you know, a lot of people who don't really understand my life will say, Oh my gosh, you have like somebody that comes to your house twice a week and cleans and helps organize. And I'm like, yes, but do you understand how, that how little that that is in my overall expense compared to what some people spend like at Target on in a month, you know? So yeah, I, I'm like very budget conscious on some things. Like there's just some things I will never buy like name brand or I won't pay for full price. But then there's other things that are really meaningful to me that I think are really helpful that I spend money on. And so I think, like you said, it's different for every person, but it's, it's really helpful when you actually look at your own data, but it also can be scary. So what do you say to the woman that's listening? That's like, I don't look at my checkbook. I don't look at my bank account. I don't have a budget. What do you tell that woman? So that's, you bring up a really important point because I think the first step is if you don't know where your money's going is you have to look at the data. <laughs> and that, like you said, a lot of people are just avoiding it because they know it's probably bad. So, I mean, I think you just have to make a decision to want to see what's going on and what's, um, I call it the what's so. You just have to kind of sit down and just look at it without judgment. Mm. So I... You know, I do recommend two budgeting programs. I mean, people love Mint because it's free. I think Mint is great because it is free, but it's more of a looking back at what the last month was about. So I think Mint is a good thing to start out with because you can kind of see everything clearly. And then I think the next step, if you really want to sort of take uh, take control and really have control of where your money is going, then the program I recommend is called YNAB, Y-N-A-B. And it, it's a funny name because it's an acronym. It stands for You Need a Budget. 
Oh, I like that. And it's more of a looking forward type app. And it's it's not an easy app. So a lot of women get frustrated. We actually even have a support group for women physicians. Who are, <laughs> I love it. It's not that it's not super intuitive for most people. Um, and so we really try to encourage women like it's it's worth learning how to use it because it will it will literally change your life. Um, if you're in, like I said, not everyone uses it and Mint is fine for most people. But I think YNAB is an awesome tool for those women who really want to know exactly where all their money is going. And I've been using YNAB since I was a third year, my last year in residency. So those same folks who talked about money, one of them actually told me about YNAB. So I bought it. I bought the program back then and I've been using it since. And I don't know how I'd function without it because I've, I've just sort of relied on it so much, but I think, yeah, you got to just, be brave enough and take a look at your money situation and without judgment. And it's fine. I think, you know, I think some people are horrified by how much they're spending on things like groceries or coffee, but I think it's all fine because then you're going to be able to do something about it. Well, I love how you are, you're doing this in such a non-judgmental way because I mean, even last night I was like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to Bonnie tomorrow. And I just spent like, you know, a hundred dollars on a bathrobe. I mean, I already have three oh. bathrobes. Like, what am I doing? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, she's going to like, you know, I don't know, see inside my soul and how I spent money on something stupid yesterday. But I, I think I love what you are talking about how, you know, first of all, it's okay that, you know, we make mistakes and it's okay that perhaps you've had your head in the sand for the last 10 years, but it's okay also to say, okay, now I'm going to change. And one of the things that I find is so amazing about women is whether they're talking about their health or their wealth or their attitude or their job, even it's almost like we get in this, on this path in life and we're afraid to make changes. And we we're afraid that, you know, we know we can make the change, but we're afraid to how everyone else around us is going to react when we suddenly are different. And so I think it's really empowering just to tell people, okay, so say you've never looked at your budget. You've never looked, you've never looked at your bank account and you've never itemized, you know, all of your spending. It's okay. It's okay that you haven't done that, but it's also okay going forward to do it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're, it's okay to admit, you know, where you, you were wrong or maybe lacking before. And I, I think it's so true that, you know, data is power in every, every aspect. Um, it's just like getting on the scale. I mean, who wants to get on the scale every day? Exactly. You know? <laughs> But it is, um, you know, know my friend Allie always tells me, she's like, it's just data. It's just data. Just get on the scale. So I, I think it's really, um, I think it's really important to just look at it. Like, you know, we are actually, we are in charge of our money. Like our money shouldn't scare us or our lack of money shouldn't, or money planning shouldn't scare us. I mean, it's, it's okay to take charge. And so why do you think that women particularly are so afraid or perhaps, we haven't been taught how to do this. Well, in general, uh, none of us have been taught whether you're a man or a woman, but I think it's just sort of gender stereotypes. The man sort of is in control of the money. Although I, you know, I was, I've done a few talks where I've talked about this and the data is actually that the housewives were actually mostly in control of the day-to-day finances, but the man controlled the sort of big picture finances, if that makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. So it kind of makes sense, right? The housewives were always in charge of the day-to-day because they were running the household. So I think most of it is gender stereotypes. And I think now that, you know, medical schools are half women, and obviously we know that the workforce isn't half women yet, but will be eventually or even more. 
you know, it's more, I think, more important than ever that us women physicians really learn about this really important topic because a lot of us are breadwinners. And so you really can't just, you know, have one eye closed when you want to come to your money, um, especially if you graduate with a lot of debt. So I, I really just try to make it approachable and the Facebook group that I have, uh, it's called Women Physicians Personal Finance. I think we do a really great job of being supportive and kind of have a, I hate to say it, but a nice culture, so to speak. And I feel the same way about you know your group. It's a very supportive and nice culture on that Facebook group. And I so love women that. Are, yeah. Um, you know, we, we have to do some, you know, policing every once in a while, but very rarely, to be honest. Um, I feel like the women are just very great at giving advice and, you know, not making anyone feel stupid for any of the questions. And obviously we, we do anonymous posts as well for those women who, you know, really are afraid to kind of put themselves out there. Because th- the thing about our group is it is only physicians. And some of the questions, as you can imagine, have some financial details in them, like how much money they have or how much debt they have. And so some women just aren't ready to put their name to the numbers. So that's fine. Yeah. But what a great, what a great thing that you've done um, to allow women to come into this safe place and admit perhaps their fear or their failures or their struggles in a non-judgmental and encouraging environment. And isn't it funny how people just assume that, that, you know, if you have, if you are a leader, which you are of a large social media group, which you and I both do, that the majority of our time is spent, you know, policing. (laughs) It's just, it's funny how everybody that, uh, that I talk to that's not in the group or, or that, you know, isn't aware of the group when they find out about the group, their first reaction is always the same. It doesn't matter who I'm talking to. They're like, Oh my gosh, that has to be a lot of work. I mean, women are so catty. And I'm like, actually it's really not. It's, I mean, the work that I put on, put into it, I get back like a hundredfold encouraging words and positive. And it's just, it's, it's funny when I think when women kind of share their struggles or share their fears or share their wins in an environment like that, everybody wins. Like everybody realizes it normalizes our experiences. Um, it normalizes the way we're feeling and it's just a really cool thing. So I'm really thankful that you have done this for women. Now, how, if someone's listening and they want to join that group, how do they do that, Bonnie? Sure. It's a secret group, so you can't search for an and yourself. We actually um, just recently created a, a separate admin account. And so basically women can message that account directly. And it's, I'll say, and I'll spell it out, it's a Doctora WPPF. So it's doctor with an A and then WPPF. That stands for Women Physicians Personal Finance. So that's a, that's a Facebook account and they can message that account to get access to it. And now, and you also have a blog, which probably has some awesome, I've, I've been to it. It does have some awesome information. If, if a woman is listening and they're like, okay, I've, I've downloaded the app. Um, I've downloaded minted or I've downloaded the app that you said, which can you say it one more time? It's YNAB. YNAB. <laughs> so they, they're ready or say they, you know, they've looked at their, they're going to sit down today. They're going to look at their bank account and they're going to see how much they're spending in each, um, area. What is, you know, would you suggest that they need to like sit down with a financial advisor as their first step? Or would you say that they can just gather information on their own? What's like the, some maybe two or three tips that you would tell a woman? So I think it's funny. My, my thoughts on this have changed over the years. I worked with a financial planner 
um, initially. And I did that half curiosity, half research for my blog. And also I was combining money with my fiance. So I just thought it would be good to have a third party involved instead of me nagging him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, that's, that's, I think is where the real power financial planner comes into play is for couples who don't see eye to eye on money. Because then you have this third party that's telling you what to do instead of your spouse, which I think is very helpful for a lot of couples. You know, I think it really depends on the woman. I think, you know, if they join our group and we have a lot of we have 13,000 women in it. I mean, most of the women are lurkers and they I mean, I get messages saying they just learn so much just reading people's posts and comments. So. I just think it really depends on how interested they are. Now, some women are like they know they need to handle this, but they have no interest in learning more. You know, my advice is you have to learn the basics because at the end of the day, no one's going to care more about your money than you. No matter how much you're paying a planner to to care about your money, you have to know the basics. And that's twofold. One is because no one's going to care about the money more than you. And the second is you have to know, unfortunately, whether you're being ripped off or not by the planner. Right. So, yeah. So I think, you know, it's. I get I'm a, I'm more of a do it yourself person, but I understand that scares a lot of women. And I think it's just you just got to learn things piecemeal. But I do really feel that most not most. I think everyone, every physician has a capability of learning enough to do it themselves. At the end of the day, this is nowhere near as hard as becoming a doctor. Right. And so <laughs> when women are scared or this is like this is just like Greek to me, I say, listen, becoming a doctor is like a thousand times harder. Like you can do this if you want to. And I understand that everyone wants to. And there's, you know, books and courses I can recommend if they want to learn more. Yeah, I think the first step is part of its spending, but also it's part of its, you know, I call dreaming. So, you know, for example, you know, when I first started, I was just trying to learn the ropes myself so I could get out of, you know, student loan debt and that credit card debt. Um, and now I feel like the, now I'm working on sort of what I call big dreams. Like, you know, Matt and I are one of our goals right now is to actually semi-retire in seven years and move to Hawaii. That's awesome. And, and it sounds it does, it's not as far-fetched as it seems, you know, looking at our numbers. I think it's sort of just knowing what that means. You know, what does it mean to semi-retire? What does it mean to be financially independent? And so, you know, these, those two phrases I use a lot with doctors. And unfortunately, as you know, a lot of doctors are not 100% happy in their careers, even though they're happy to be doctors. And so I kind of... I don't want to say push, but I guess, you know, proselytize this financial stuff to basically say, well, if you really handle your money, you can have the, you can sort of carve out the the career that you've always wanted and not maybe quit that job that's toxic and take a lower paying job, but it'll be okay because, you know, you have enough money to deal with that. Yeah. So that's kind of how, and I'm not trying to, you know, tell doctors they should retire early because I know some people talk about that. So for me, it's not about having people retire early for medicine. It's about having the freedom to do what you want. So I think most women physicians who are mothers would just love to work a little less. Yeah. You know, even well, just or go just, 50%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think that I think women want to get paid the same. <laughs> you know, like I always hear women say like, I just, I'm so frustrated in my job um, because I found out this person's making more than me and I think I just want to go part-time. And I'm like, the first step is you got to go in and get paid the same. 
<laughs> like, right. you know, like I, I think I look at it a little different way. Um, just because I've said, I've, you know, done some writing and reading and studying on the gender gap. And it's just, it floors me how negotiating salaries right out of the gate, you know, there's a large study that show first year out attending women physicians make $17,000 less than men, like in your first year, which means you just didn't negotiate. And so, or, or, you know, but then there's also this double bind because when we do negotiate, then we're seen as, you know, not as likable, but I'm, I'm like, you know, women need to get paid the same. That's, that should be our first step is just getting paid to do the same amount of work. You know, I mean, it's December and most of us physician women are now working for free this month because compared to our male colleagues. So I think that there's definitely some, some aspect of, you know, wanting to being discouraged in your career, not because you're a physician, but because of maybe the environment. But also I think that some of that is because we're not making the same amount of money that our, our male colleagues are. And so that starts again with getting the data and understanding. And if you don't understand finances, then you, you know, you, or the package, you probably are not making the same amount. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I, I work in prior practice and I work on a collections model. So, and there's, I guess, no direct gender gap, I should pay gap, I should say. Right. So I, you know, it's based on, you know, procedures and visits. But I know when I used to work at a hospital um, as a dermatologist, I was very sort of uh, aware. Uh, we all got paid the same salary, but I remember a guy who was hired a year after me, same base salary, but he was offered a moving What's it called? The moving, uh, oh, like an moving, ex- yeah, like a like, like a moving a, fee. Yep, uh-huh. I can't think of the word, but you know, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, like a money, like an honorarium or like an incentive yeah. for and moving. I had right. asked for that, and I I was told no. Yeah, so I'm not sure if that's if that was a gender thing. He was hired a year later, and you know, it was a new department. But I remember being sort of pissed about that, to be honest. Yeah, no, I know because this person moved like two states, and I moved from California to New York. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I remember being worried that he was going to be offered more money for the same job. But, you know, we were both very open with our finances to each other and it was the same salary. Thank God. Yeah. Um, But the moving part was not included in my package. But that's so good that you had that conversation with him, because I think that that is so I think most, you know, first of all, I think most male colleagues of ours aren't aware that we're not getting paid the same if that's the case. Now it's not like this in every department, some departments, um, or practices have very transparent, you know, fee and pay scales. And so I think that that's different, but there's a lot that aren't. And they, you honestly just, you know, whatever you can negotiate is what you get paid. And so, um, a lot of men, I think don't even know that we're not getting paid the same. I mean, how would they know that, you know, so they go in to negotiate, we go in and may or may not negotiate. And that's the outcome. Um, but I also think it's really interesting that you said about the financial planner, if you have, you know, two people who are in a marriage um, and or in a household and they're not on the same page. I hear this so much from my friends and um, I just I hear this conversation over and over from so many of my friends, physicians and non-physician friends. And money mm-hmm. seems to be one of the biggest problems in most marriages. If you look at you know, the information and the data. And 
it's interesting because my husband and I, we were married when we were like, we had nothing. So, you know, we have one account, everything goes in it. Cause we literally had like $400 to our name when we got married. So we didn't have anything to separate at the time. And we've always, um, kind of shared things, but what we have done, um, is every five years we kind of have the term, the person that is in charge of the big picture changes. Like it's a five-year term. <laughs> Mostly mostly because we just get like burned out doing it. I mean, it is a lot of work to be the person that, um, manages like the budget and pays everything and does that. And now we have, we, we, I don't think we set out. It was not like day one in our marriage. We're like, we're going to do this for five years and then swap. But it's funny because it's pretty much been that way. Um, he did it for like the first five years. I did it for the second five years. Then he did it. Then I did it. We're just kind of on this rotation. And I think it's really helped us because we have completely different ways that we get to the end, but we, also twice a year, sit down and we call it our business meeting and we financially kind of plan our next, the, the following year. Um, like if we want to take a big trip with the kids or we want to make a purchase, we kind of plan it and we do it in public so that we can't yell at each other. <laughs> so we go to a nice restaurant and we just buy a bottle of wine. We order dinner and we sit there with our notebooks and we, we know that like we used to try to do it at home and it would get so heated. Like one of us would just storm off. And I mean, this is, you know, we have a, we were a pretty solid couple and we get along great. But even when we talk about money, we, we just have such different thoughts in our mind and it's probably likely how we were raised on how we should spend our money. And so you know, I think it's really good that we've learned that we just have to talk about it. Like, you know, once he can like settle in the, with the mindset that I want to make this purchase in the next year, you know, when it comes time to make the purchase six months later, he's kind of marinated in it and thought through. And when he tells me I'm going to buy, you know, a four wheeler for the the land or something. And I'm like, what, you know, like I've had, like, (laughs) I've had time to process it and think it through and it's part of the budget. So that's just a little tip that, that we've done, but I really like your third party suggestion. I mean, some couples need that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great idea. I really like that because you don't want to be fighting about something like money. You know, you want to be using it for your advantage, not as a tool. Right, right. Well, this has been so awesome. And I just, I want you to, um, if you could just tell us one more time how women can get connected with you and you do some speaking as well. And so I know, you know, how women, if they're looking for a speaker at your, at an event, um, how can they learn more about you and your information and your site and all that? If you could just tell us one more time, that would be great. Sure. Um, so my website is missbonniemd.com. That's M-I-S-S-B-O-N-N-I-E-M-D.com. And my email also is missbonniemd at gmail.com. And my social media like Twitter and Instagram is at missbonniemd. So that's all pretty uh, easy there. And then for the Facebook group, which is called the Women Physicians Personal Finance Group, it is secret, so you can't search for it. However, you can message the admin account, which is um, Doctora WPPF. So that's doctor with an A at the end and then WPPF. Awesome. Thank you so much for today and just all of the great information and the non-judgmental way that you encouraged all of us to take charge of our finances and to get the data. This has been such an enlightening talk and I just really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Sasha. 
Thanks everyone for tuning in. And as always, I hope that you have an amazing week and you remember to live brave. This has been an HSG production.